Welcome to the Outpost Church podcast for Discipleship Training Week 2023. This year, our theme was All He Asks is Everything. Over the next few episodes, you'll be encouraged by a variety of speakers who actively lay down their lives to serve God and His kingdom. We hope that as you listen, you feel inspired to further understand what it means to follow Jesus and surrender all aspects of our lives to Him. We hope you enjoy. I did just really want to, I think, thank Jesus for this place being a real place of peace and um, really acknowledge and thank Christy and Shane and Nick as well for hosting that and for sacrificing and their steps of obedience to, to make this a place of peace. And for each of you that are here as well, I've really enjoyed um, the week so far and, um, yeah, really do feel covered in God's peace, which um, for standing up here public speaking is Oh God. <laughs> so, um, Shane, is the volume good, by the way, where I'm holding it? Yeah. Um, so, Shane asked me to share about the journey that God's led me on to, I guess, prepare my heart to step into full-time urban missionary work. Um, what's really cool is that there's a few points in my journey that do kind of cross over with Ben and Annie's, um, even before I had ever thought that God had it planned for me to um, step out with Streetlight. Um, so, yeah, my story and their story kind of joins in little bits because for those who don't know, uh, Ben was going to share uh, more of his story to um, starting Streetlight. He started it in 2016. Um, but uh, he and his wife are, are, are busy at the moment. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'll, I'll share what God's put on my heart. Um, the second half of what I'll share is, yeah, the ministry and vision of Streetlight. Um, Shane's also going to be uh, sharing today and he's been really gracious in, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like because I prepared this late last night and I didn't get time to time it, so we'll see. Um, yeah, please bear with me as public speaking certainly isn't um, a natural joy or passion um, but there's, there's two main reasons why I would usually say yes if I was invited to, to share at a church. Or, um, and one of those, first and foremost, is to be able to give God glory and to share what he's doing in the community um, and at times in my life. Um, and the second is I do really believe that God has called me to um, this ministry at this time and um, I believe that he's calling others to join as well. And so a part of that um, looks like getting up here and standing and sharing with you guys and inviting you um, to partner, whether it's through prayer, finances or volunteering. So I think just keep an, an open heart to that as well. Um, I think what I really loved about the invitation today, though, to speak um, was um, the challenge that w- we all have for this week for DTW, that all God asks is um, everything and um, the yeah I think being able to share the, the little moments that got me to um, to step out full-time with Streetlight because it wasn't um, a big like aha moment or a big clear like this is it you know quit your job now and go and do this it was um, I think the way that God's been revealing himself to me um, over my journey and walk with him throughout life um, and the little steps that kind of prepared my heart to then hear um, what he was leading me in with Streetlight. Um, oh, I would like to thank you, Nick, for praying, but I just want to make sure that my heart's in the right place and so I'm, I'm going to pray as well. Father, I just thank you so much for, first and foremost, uh, the way that you've revealed yourself to us, Lord. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to to speak, and I pray that it gives you glory. Um, I ask that you would put on my lips the words that you would have me share um, and open up hearts and minds to um, be able to hear from you and only you, Lord. Um, I thank you that uh, we have an opportunity Um, to hear from you who you are, your character, uh, and who you've created us to be. Uh, I pray that um, throughout this time we would uh, 
really learn together um, what it looks like to be able to, um, yeah, just daily make choices that um, lay down our lives and, and remember that um, you are our everything um, and everything that we have um, is through you and um, for your glory. Amen. So the way that I prepare, and usually I journal, so my notes on my laptop is literally me just writing everything, which isn't helpful for notes, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> um, I don't know when um, it sort of started, but there's like a constant prayer that I've had uh, for a very long time. Um, I think it would have started around the same time that I was meditating on uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 to 33. Um, so uh, the scripture is, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Uh, so the prayer that I often pray um, is, Lord, would you bring about... And then it would be X. So it might be um, the finances, the relationships, the home, the car, the job, whatever it might be in that season and time um, that's for my good and for your glory. Um, I've heard it shared before uh, to only pray really specific prayers so that you can uh, see and give glory to God for specific results. Um, and I completely see the merit in that. However, um, I'm not a particularly decisive person and I don't always know what I need and I certainly don't know uh, what is best for me, but I do have complete confidence that God does know. Um, so often God brings clarity to my heart's desires. Um, sometimes it's after praying this prayer and sometimes it's independent of it. Um, but I see God bring clarity in both the big things and the small things. Uh, sometimes I'll only realise the clarity through answered prayer, um, like um, ticking all the boxes when I move into a home that, like, all the boxes that I didn't realise were important to me. Um, but I was like, oh, wow, thank you, God, you knew and, and you made a way. Um, other times it will be in um, revealing to me what to pray for, uh, like a pair of jeans. And um, that's not a joke. I know it sounds really simple and strange, um, but one time I, I really needed a pair of jeans and I said a very simple, um, Lord, I could really do with a pair of jeans. <laughs> and that very week, um, someone brought a bag to my work um, filled with her daughter's old clothes um, for me to look through or donate to my church op shop. Uh, and inside were three, like, basically brand new, I think one had tags on them, pairs of jeans that fit me perfectly. So that was really cool. <laughs> um, and I love being able to and find it really important to give God glory for when he does answer prayer. Um, uh, you might be asking why was I praying for a pair of jeans, um, especially when I was working and had a paid job. <laughs> um, well, from a young age, God gave me a fierce pursuit for social justice, uh, particularly um, the concept of people over property. At 12, uh, I heard how Nestle had distributed um, formula to mums um, in countries in developing countries in Africa um, to be able to well they gave them formula and then um, when mum's milk had dried up um, they then started charging for the formula and um, this meant that a lot of babies did not survive um, so at 12 um, this I had a lot of, um, I think, righteous anger around this um, and it started for me a um, decision to boycott all things Nestle. Um, that then led to um, being really intentional for wherever I could, um, purchasing things that were fair trade and ethical um, and purchasing clothes that are made ethically and sustainably um, cost time, they cost money can cost fashion, um, making decisions to, to not have lots of options in your wardrobe um, and certainly not what's the latest on trend. 
Um, but yeah, so for when it came to the jeans, it was a matter of either op shopping, which I tried, um, or spending lots of money. Um, so hence my prayer for the jeans. In my mid-teens, I was invited along to a church. Uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was in Balaclava. Um, I was placed in a small group discussion that Ben and Annie um, happened to be leading. I didn't really know them well, but we did have a mutual friend at the church. Um, so they, they happened to, on that day, be sharing from a book. I can't remember what it's called, but the particular week that we were focusing on was... It was like attitudes of the heart, and this was around generosity. Um, and I remember hearing Annie share about um, uh, really coming to value the, the one coat that she had um, and not being envious of her friends who had a wardrobe filled. Um, and I, really, I remember really admiring that quality. Um, at 15, I started working at a cake shop I began asking God where he wanted me to invest my money. Uh, I knew it certainly wasn't in the hand of um, slave, slave traders and I, yeah, I became being really intentional of like, where, do you, where would you like this money? Um, over the years, my attitude from God, where do you want me to invest my money, um, changed to God, where do you want me to invest your money? I started to realise that everything God's blessed us with uh, whether it's time, money, our skills, our work opportunities, um, it's just something that we're stewards of. Um, who here has been to grilled, like the burger place? Yeah, cool. Um, can, so for those who don't know, they do this like fun little charity thing where when you buy a burger, they give you a little bottle cap and you can vote by placing the bottle cap in one of three jars and the jars represent different charities and the charity that wins or gets the most votes gets the largest donation at the end of the month. Um, I, I've come to kind of see my dollars as like a bottle cap like that, where I'm voting every time I spend money, um, that's a vote for what, what do I value and like what, does, what do I want to see more of? Uh, what do I want to invest in? Um, not only finances, but also I think uh, it comes in, in all areas of our life. It's like, where, where do we want to drop our vote with our time? Where do we want to drop our vote with uh, what we're viewing? Where do we want to drop our vote um, in all areas? Um, so as far as it's uh, what we watch is our vote. Um, there's TV series that I'd previously uh, watched and then decided to stop watching. Um, when they started celebrating things like affairs, um, same-sex relationships, abortions, um, at times I kind of considered, oh, well, do I just fast-forward it? Do I just skip this episode? Um, but then I, I decided, no, actually, I think this is my vote and I have an opportunity. Good representation, Christy. <laughs> to... Um, to say no, um, this is the this is the content that I actually want you to produce, and it's like when we when we go to the movies, when we watch Netflix, like they do actually see what we're watching, and like how what would it look like if all of us as Christians like we're investing, and in, actually this is the future that we want. This is what we want to see for our community, and um, things like our time. Um, do I see like a, a vulgar advertisement and just shake my head and walk away or do I take the time to actually politely and respectfully um, say that this isn't okay, take the time to say sign a petition or write to a company. Um, for those who haven't heard of Collective Shout, um, they're an amazing platform of advocacy uh, against objectification of women and the sexualization of girls. Time and time again I saw God bless uh, these decisions and votes. I'd say no to purchasing something that didn't agree um, with where I believe God was leading me to spend my money. Um, and then he blessed me by, say, like, one time, I think I've entered a competition a couple of times in my life and I really need a rain jacket. And I won a rain jacket, which was really cool. <laughs> um, 
But even better, um, I've loved the times where God has blessed me with a change of heart and a change of perspective and attitude around um, where's my worth, where's my value, what is actually important. What kind of work did you do? Oh, I worked at a wedding cake shop for 13 years. Um, when, um, as I was coming to realise um, that my possessions are simply a steward um, or simply something that I can be a, a good steward of, um, I found a lot of freedom and joy in um, generosity um, I, yeah, I, I was praying about whether, whether to share this. Um, this isn't something that I have, some of these things I haven't actually shared with anyone before. Um, but I did really just feel like this was a part of my, what God was doing in, in me to prepare me, um, for full-time ministry work. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm sharing with you today because I believe God, God has taught me a lot through it and um, I, I hope it, it's an encouragement and um, pa- perhaps a challenge as well. When I was um, 21, I went to Townsville to do some renovations work uh, for YWAM and the expectation, expectation that I had was to be gone for quite a while. I didn't know when I was coming back. Um, I, I quit my job and I felt called to give away my first car. Um, it wasn't like anything super expensive, but I did love it. It was like a red Celica with pop-up lights and a sunroof and I loved it. <laughs> um, I arrived and very quickly discovered um, that my friends planned, so I, I thought that we were potentially going to start up a business venture together um, interstate, um, but very quickly I realised that their plans had quickly changed and they were vastly different from mine. Um, so one of them was flying off to propose um, in Canada and the other one had just landed um, a great full-time job. Um, so in that sort of season of confusion and disappointment, um, I had a 30-hour car drive um, from Townsville to Adelaide and the morning of um, before arriving in Adelaide, uh, I remember just praying and asking God, like, to bring peace and clarity and just show me that he was in this season. Um, and I had a little picture of, um, I call them glory rays, but, like, when God shines light. <laughs> um, and then that, that afternoon when we drove in, it was literally as we turned the bend so that you could see Adelaide City, and, like, the sky was just, like, full of glory rays all over Adelaide. And it's, yeah, it's the only time I've ever seen it like that. And it was just such an encouragement for me. Um, and I think also the start of me, like, um, having a desire and a joy and expectation and seeing God through creation. Um, at 22, um, I'd saved up enough money um, to buy what was at the time my dream car, a, a RAV4, um, a couple of years old. Then I heard of a mission organisation in Africa um, that really needed a car. Um, it became apparent um, where I was led to invest my money and it wasn't on my new RAV4. Um, when I offered the money, um, someone else had actually, like I think it was an hour before, it was that day definitely, um, just sponsored, like, also offered the money for the car. Um, so, uh, I ended up just offering, like, a, a small part of that to be able to get something bigger and safer and rego and that kind of thing. So, I still had um, money for a nice car. Uh, within a very short window, um, I felt called to do a discipleship training school in, uh, with YWAM in Central America. Um, this is something that I'd seen friends do and had previously never, like I, I'd encouraged friends to do it but never felt led to do it um, and then within like, I think it was three weeks or something, um, I just felt that it was very clear that nope, this is what I was supposed to do. Um, buying flats in a three-week window um, to a small island in Central America wasn't cheap. 
Um, but again, um, it was just, I think, creating this habit um, of um, really being able to see uh, and yeah, be intentional around spending um, money where God was leading me. Um, uh, at 25, I had enough to buy a Suzuki Grand Vitara, and boy, does that car have some stories. Um, I, before purchasing it, I got a motor mechanic to come and look at it. So I paid for that, and he's like, yep, you're all good. And then a couple of days later, I took it to get serviced, and the mechanic, like a different mechanic, rang me and was like, you've bought a lemon. And I'm like, no, I got this car checked. Um, anyway, after like a couple of weeks of, yeah, so they were like, the engine is gone, you're going to need to replace the engine. Um, <laughs> um, after a couple of weeks of sort of, some people were advising me, oh, you should like sue the motor mechanic. He checked it and he said it was all good and you bought it. And I didn't have peace around that. And um, yeah, so a, a couple of weeks later, after lots of prayer, I thought I saw like 200,000 on the dash and I bought it at like 80,000 kilometers. Um, and from that day, I just had this peace around like, no. Nah, you're going to drive it and it's going to be fine. Like, um, just go in peace. But it, what I loved about the car was every single day I hopped in it, it was like, thank you, Lord, I have a car. Like, it was just this joy of I could have, yeah, I very easily could have not had, had this car. But it was going um, on what I sometimes said was Jesus juice. So... <laughs> um, I... Then, um, I've more recently sold the car um, for, uh, yeah, at a season where I could really do with the finances and um, my sister can't drive a manual and we now live together and we share everything. So, it made sense to have an automatic car and my grandparents were offering us to buy their car really cheap. So, um, when it came to selling the car, I didn't really feel comfortable not telling people that... Well, yeah, except, like, by this point, it had done, like, 180,000 kilometres. So, it's done 100,000 kilometres since supposedly only having, like, at maximum. I took it to three mechanics at the time, and no one was giving me a clear answer, but one of them was, like... Um, it'll start making louder noises if there's a problem, and but you'd be lucky to get 2,000 kilometres out of it. Um, so anyway, when I came to selling the car, I was very much like, no, I'm going to be honest about the history of it. Um, even though it's very confusing to tell, like, it's a weird story to tell. <laughs> um, but you can't explain that long a story in a Facebook marketplace, I tried. So what it meant was every time someone messaged me, I then had to give them this big backstory. And unfortunately, the so I had some people, like, they'd come and look at it and they'd get a mechanic to check it and then it was all good and then they'd find another car that was better, they thought, so or had cruise control or whatever. So they'd end up buying that car. What ended up happening is someone looked at the car and offered me, like, 10 grand for it and then... I realised, and then so they, then they were going to pick it up four days later. An hour before they were going to pick it up, I don't know why, but I suddenly was like, oh, I haven't told this person the backstory. I told so many people the backstory that I'd gotten confused who I hadn't hadn't told. So then I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> like, do, it's going to be annoying for them and stressful for them, and like. Everyone else I was talking to was like, clearly there's nothing wrong with the car. Like, you don't need to tell them this long backstory. Anyway, I felt led to tell the backstory. I, the person was not interested in buying the car after I told them the backstory. Probably, I don't know, a month or so later, um, someone else bought the car and I definitely told them the backstory. 
And I, after they purchased the car and they'd given me the cash for the money, um, I felt led to tithe 10% of it. Um, and then the next day, we put money into an FBOS, like we put the cash into an FBOS machine to like put it into my bank account. Um, my sister actually did it for me. And she messaged me and she's like, there's an extra $1,000 here. And so we, we don't know whether it was the FBOS machine or the man's accidentally given me an extra $1,000, but I messaged him. He didn't really check Facebook for six weeks, but six weeks later he said, oh, okay. Um, well, do you want to just split it 50-50? Like, you keep 500 and then we both win. So that was really cool. To, um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, and, and now I've seen God's fruit in um, Streetlight has been, someone has actually purchased a van for Streetlight um, and someone else donated a smaller van for 18 months. So um, we've, yeah, been so blessed in the provision of vehicles. Um, there's stories um, after stories like that, dreams that I handed over to God, um, businesses that I had really felt um, a strong desire to start up, um, but then ended up um, putting a stop to in real crunch time um, based on moral principles. Um, I was looking at purchasing a... Um, some property to start a um, business with my family um, and I couldn't understand at the time why doors kept kept closing on that. Um, there was one place in particular that um, I was so excited by and there was a lot of um, the backstory to preparing um, this like business venture slash social enterprise that I really thought I could see God in. Um, so there was a lot of confusion around, oh, why, why the doors keep shutting here? Um, and, and some of those things I've seen, um, God's timing um, and that his desires are so much better than mine um, in why he's closed those doors. Um, one of the properties um, was actually burnt by the big bushfires that we had. Um, and, yeah, I just remember... Um, being like, oh, wow, that was what I would have invested years in and um, what, yeah, but I could see um, that God was closing particular doors for a reason. Um, and obviously, there's so many things that we won't, we won't know until we're in heaven as to why God closes particular doors. Um, one thing that I have really learnt when God does close doors um, and challenges arise um, is to really, like, run for him for a lesson. I think um, I have a real attitude of, like, I don't want to waste, like, I don't want to waste pain, I don't want to waste disappointment. Um, and so I do come to God with, like, God, like, what are you doing? Can you please teach me something in this? Um, can you, yeah, make something fruitful out of this? And sometimes the answer comes really quickly. Um, one time I was flying um, back from a, I think it was back from a big overseas mission strip um, and my final leg of like a 40-hour journey um, got delayed by, I can't remember, a long time. It certainly feels like a long time when you're on a 40-hour journey. Um, and, yeah, it was so cool, like when you, when you have this expectation of like, God, can you use this? time can you not make this for a waste to then like see people like the person on the plane next to me ended up being someone that I was able to um, share the gospel with and link in with a church um, other times it's um, yeah long, longer things like I was sharing before things that um, you might not see what what God was doing in it um, at the time or perhaps perhaps not whilst we're here on earth um, in 2020, I decided not to set New Year's resolutions, um, but instead I asked God to reveal to me um, what was important, uh, what was he calling me to actually strive towards, 
um, I guess, like, for the year, but really for life. I, I think I was fed up of New Year's resolutions. Um, so I wanted to, uh, and I asked him what his idea of success is uh, and how, how do I pursue this life of success. Um, I spent the whole month of January, like, um, journaling. For, it ended up being 14 different things. So I had different headings of, um, yeah, things that he valued that I wanted to value. So um, some of them were things that I did value and some of them was just like, help me to value this God. Um, and for each of those 14 headings, I had like two or three scriptures that were like the truth to why that was important. Um, and so um, for the month of, I guess like the end of January, but Feb predominantly through February, I just meditated on those like every morning, carried them around with me. Um, that was the, um, yeah, what I really wanted to set apart and um, see as part of my life. Um, then, so that was January and February of 2020. Um, we all probably know what happened in March 2020. Um, and so um, I'm really grateful that God um, brought me through that journey in um, January and February to prepare my heart for, um, yeah, what, when we first heard about COVID and um, were starting to um, see the impact of that. I think for so many people um, around me, I was hearing a lot, of, a lot of fear, a lot of confusion and a lot of disappointment in goals being unachievable and um, things that were important no longer... Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I loved was that um, when COVID came, none of those 14 things changed. Um, they were still, like, completely constant and something that, um, in fact, some of them were a lot easier to be able to... Um, well, I, I felt like sh things like sharing the gospel when a, a country was at a time of what's happening are we going to live through this, um, there was more opportunities than ever to be able to um, live out some of those um, truths that I'd been meditating on. Yeah, um, like, they're actually, they're very simple. So, um, like, share the gospel was one of them, or love God, love people. So it's like, very, very simple things, but I guess it's like more the scriptures that were backing or the truth behind that that was important. Um, and I do encourage, yeah, for, for those who do um, feel encouraged by it to, to take the time and to do it. Um, I've shared this before with friends or people one-on-one -on -one and they've been like, oh, can I, can I just see them all? And I'm like, oh, no, I think actually that season of like that month in January of meditating and asking God what, what is important to you is, is really important, like rather than um, having a printed out list of, yeah. Um, again, I have no idea what time it is or how I'm going. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, cool. So, I will share, I'll start, yeah, I guess this was the segue, and this is where my notes ended, and it was 1.30, and I said, I'm going to bed. So, this is where it gets more free stuff. <laughs> um, but, I, um, yeah, so, in March 2020, I heard someone say, at my workplace, um, I heard someone make a statement of if they have to shut the schools um, due to COVID, then all the feral kids up north are going to run amok. Um, Holy Spirit just kept that on loop in my mind um, for a solid week and I just couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, I knew that kids aren't feral running amok 
for the sake of it and God sees these young people um, with incredible potential and love and they are amazing young people. Actually, yeah, I knew that at the time but I certainly didn't know it as deeply as I do now. Um, I... So, I, yeah, I couldn't shake the statement for a week or two and I was praying for young people in particular that might be isolated in homes of abuse or neglect, um, that might be running to the streets um, because home wasn't a safe space to isolate in. Um, and I had been praying for Streetlight, for Ben and Annie, um, for a couple of years. We did have a mutual friend and so when Streetlight started in 2016... Um, I became a prayer partner and, yeah, was investing through prayer. Um, I had no desire to um, volunteer with Streetlight at the time. Someone asked me if, uh, January 2020, if I wanted to help out with youth at my, just at my church on a Sunday because um, uh, they were really in need for volunteers and my response was, no, that's, that's not my cup of tea at all. I had no desire to do that. Um, but God really changed my heart. Um, I, so I was praying for young people isolated in homes of abuse or neglect, particularly in the north. Uh, and it was when people were panic buying. So there was a lot, of, there was a lot less affordable options uh, on the shelves. And I remember going to the grocery store and being like, oh, like I can't get the normal brand that I would usually, I'm going to have to spend more money or come back later. Um, and this led me to praying for people who were already um, struggling to put food on the table, for the people who didn't have that extra couple of dollars to buy the more expensive brand or the time to, the capacity to be able to, to come back later. Um, so praying for a combination of those two things, um, I, I felt the Lord calling me to um, be able to start up a like a COVID-friendly food program um, with young people. Uh, I knew that Ben and Annie already had such fantastic relationships with young people um, in the north and I'd seen what God was doing in the lives of those young people and so I thought, perfect, like, they have relationships. God's already at work. I'll join God and them in, in what they're doing there um, to be able to um, start up this cooking program. So we, I reached out. Well, God was just so gracious in the timing that he brought the right people and the right skills to be able to do it in the midst of lockdowns. Um, I had a friend who... Um, was a children's presenter and a dietitian, um, uh, like an actress. So, like, perfect combo of skills. And I, I said to her, is this something that you'd be interested in? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And I was like, how cool? Like, are you all in? And she was all in. So, <laughs> um, that was just amazing. She gave up her time. A videographer gave up his time. And we filmed, like, little cooking TV shows. Um, where we taught young people how to make healthy meals. And then each Monday, um, I ended up getting food donated from Woolworths and we dropped food to young people's doorsteps and then we would hop on Zoom together and play the cooking video tutorial whilst like chatting to each other and making a meal together. Um, so that was just an awesome... And do you feel like things could go wrong there? Because things did go wrong. But <laughs> one person's phone did end up in the spaghetti bolognese. Someone's phone ended up in the spaghetti. But it was fine, luckily. <laughs> I don't know. Well, God, God knows. Because <laughs> um, I was boiling spaghetti and somehow his phone was fine. Um, but I just, yeah, I loved that season and God really revealed, um, started opening up my heart towards young people and the way that he saw them. Um, there is, yeah, countless testimonies just from that program. Um, as a, yeah, it really was what, I guess, brought me from a place of like, no, I don't even want to help with youth on a Sunday to, yes, like, 
I see the value in these young people and I'm going to... Yeah. Um, one young person that we um, met, she was diagnosed with leukaemia um, probably four months before the Street Eats, it was called, the cooking program started. Um, and um, she wasn't allowed to leave the house, even more so than everyone else wasn't at the time. Um, she had to isolate in her own room, and so she hadn't done anything social. She basically lived on the couch and played video games. Um, and after the first day of the program, um, her dad, like her single dad, messaged us to say this, um, is the most active and happy that I've seen my daughter since she was diagnosed uh, with leukaemia. And um, that for me was huge. I was like, oh God, wow, if this was, if this is only for her, for today, then this was worth. Um, so at that point I was, I was juggling, I was still at the cake shop. Um, the cake shop that I worked at, it was or is one of the longest running cake shops. And even though people weren't leaving the houses, they do have lots of wealthy regular customers who would still buy birthday cakes that were hundreds of dollars to have in their home as a family. So it was still um, a sustainable option for me to be um, at the cake shop. Um, so I was juggling, I think I was maybe doing four days at the cake shop and then just coming home um, and working throughout the night. We were starting at the cake shop super early so that we could, um, so the program um, could, could happen. Um, so yeah, just seeing that text message was like, oh wow, God, like this is, this is all worth it. Like, um, and we ended up, yeah, journeying with this young person. Um, she got to come along in person. She got permission from her doctors to come in person to... We had a graduation celebration at the end of the program. Um, we really wanted to be able to like, champion the effort that the young people had put in um, and to celebrate their successes because um, so much of society and um, what they were told was um, that, um, that they wouldn't succeed and... Um, and yeah, so it was it was really um, special. The mayor came out and gave them their certificates, and um, it was just so fun to be a part of that to um, really celebrate who they were and what they had achieved. Um, and this young person got to come out, which was amazing. Um, she um, then shortly after ended up uh, in hospital. Um, well, yeah, a few, a few months later. Um, and um, we, we thought that everyone had thought that she was going to be okay. Um, we were, like, dropped some books to... Dropped, like, a, a Bible comic and a couple of other things to um, her, her dad to bring along to the hospital. Unfortunately, we weren't able to visit because only one person could visit. Um, but she did end up passing away um, and her dad asked us if we, like, if Ben would officiate the funeral. Um, so we ended up, um, yeah, hosting the funeral for them at um, Elizabeth Church of Christ. Um, and um, what was really special for me in particular, um, the grandma came up to me um, after the funeral service, and I'm not really a um, physical touch kind of person. I'm not super, like, lovey-dovey. I don't love hugs. Um, but I think God's kind of opening me up to being more comfortable. Um, but, yeah, the grandma um, came up to me and gave me a big hug, and I just, I remember being just so filled with, like, love for her and a desire to hug her that wasn't of me, like, um, and she said, like, I, I'd previously um, believed in God, but I've really struggled ever since my granddaughter's been diagnosed, um, 
to to see God in this. Um, and she's like, but um, through you guys, I've seen God, like, present. Um, and she's, yeah, thanked us for that. And so um, that was such an encouragement to, to us. And, um, yeah, I hope that um, her, her life can still be um, a witness to other young people, whether it's through, um, there was a lot of people at, the funeral, we don't really know, um, only God knows where her heart was, um, but um, yeah, there was lots of people that were at the funeral and able to um, hear Ben speak in a way that was, um, yeah, covered with grace, love and truth. Um, so, uh, other cool stories, um, yeah, there was young people that were part of um, that program from you know some of them were living independently at 16 um home wasn't a safe space anymore um and others were like in families with lots and lots of people in the household um but i just yeah i loved seeing the different different things that god did in in their journeys and each week we came to drop off the ingredients there'd be more family members at the doorsteps wanting to chat with us um, so that was really cool as well. Um, there was little uh, things that we kind of dropped in around like budgeting and finances that ended up being really helpful um, for families and yeah, parents came to the door and was like, oh wow, I didn't know you could actually buy these ingredients like for this price. I think um, a lot of the, the families and the young people were... Um, like didn't have a very nutritional diet um, and so um, they, they shared that this was a, a helpful thing for them. Um, there, yeah, there's, there's young people that we got to know um, through that program that we now continue to journey with um, and one young person... Um, she was really struggling. She journe- she's journeyed with Streetlight um, for, since 2016, basically. Um, she um, came from um, a very challenging home um, and uh, Streetlight helped support her to be able to um, live independently. Um, she uh, really wrestled with uh, her identity and um, her gender and had suffered, yeah, a lot of um, abuse um, that was a big factor in um, that, that struggle. Um, and um, I've, I've loved being, I think, a part, yeah, a part of the team, Streetlight is... Um, made up of volunteers from around a dozen different churches Um, and I love being able to um, see what God does through like small conversations over period like long periods of time that it's not just um, you know there are there are testimonies where young people have come in for the first time um, and the Holy Spirit has been clearly moving and, you know, a volunteer shared and a young person's given their life to God on the spot. But for so many young people, um, what's really important and what I love is that long journey, the fact that um, we're willing to show up week after week, show that we're people that they can trust and rely on um, and actually walk the long journey with them. Um, And... um, yeah, there, um, there, this young person and many other young people um, do have really struggled with um, self-harm and um, suicidal ideation. Um, and it has just been incredible to see what God has done, um, particularly this young person, but in the lives of multiple young people. Um, I'm sort of cautious of what, what I'm saying a little bit. Um, but um, this young person um, has come to uh, a place where 
one, she knows Jesus and she loves Jesus. Um, she has come to see, like, the value in her own life. Um, and she ended up deciding to take on um, what she, she really felt like God had called her to a new name. Um, so she um, had, for as long as we'd known her, she'd identified with a male name. Um, and um, there was a season in her life where she really felt like God had given her a new name and the name um, is so beautiful and I'm, I'm still, I don't really like oversharing because um, they're not my stories to share. Um, but um, yeah, God was so a part and is so a part of, of her journey. Um, in saying that, there is still... Um, such a fight for these young people's lives and um, the amount of, um, yeah, of trauma and things that they um, have been through and are still um, working through. I, I really just ask that you guys would keep covering them in prayer um, because, uh, yeah, there is a real um, battle for their lives. So Streetlight started um, purely through church support um, and it, our um, income, our support is through um, individuals in the church or church collectively. Um, there is support now coming from councils who have recognised the difference, the impact that Streetlight's had in the north. Um, they've said this is something that we, we want to see and we want to partner with. Um, most of that funding, though, does go towards, like, practical purchasing marquees and heaters and food and that sort of thing. Um, so support, um, support for my wage and... Oh, there is... Uh, although it's about to come to an end. So there's often, like, we might get small, um, like, seasonal grants or things that will cover me, like, for a little bit or cover one of us for a little bit. So there's now... Um, uh, Ben, myself, and also, um, like, Annie's wife is very much a part of Streetlight and we wouldn't be here today um, without Ben and Annie and the sacrifices that they make and um, her practical um, life now is very much homes homeschooling their um, kids. And so from a practical point of view, it's... Often uh, myself, Ben, or um, Megan, who's a social worker. She came on board um, last year, um, a couple of days a week. So, and um, she has been working really hard to try and raise support through grants. Um, but it's challenging. Mm. Yeah, yes, we are, we are really careful in not... Mm. I'll share, I've got a little story to share, but that's a bit later. <laughs> About a young person yesterday, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, we are very intentional of being really clear about why, why we do what we do and... Um, when Ben, oh yeah, I can I can share about this how Ben actually started Streetlight. So um, Ben and his wife Annie um, felt called to be missionaries um, pretty early in their marriage, um, and they travelled to different countries where they felt God was leading, um, but. Never had a peace around this is where he wants them. And then um, that when they... I, th I think it was as Ben was, like, flying back into Adelaide or they were flying back into Adelaide, he just really had this peace that, like, this is your mission field, this is where I want you. Um, and, yeah, so then it was kind of this, like, wrestle and question of, like, oh, but that's not what missions look like, God. And God showing to him... Um, what missions does look like um, in the everyday and um, he 
um, was particularly challenged by, or yeah, so he, he, he went to scripture to look, ask God, well, what does, what does it look like? Um, started in the Gospels um, and at um, Matthew 5 read about um, soul and light and not hiding your light under a bushel or a basket, but putting it on a lampstand so that people would see. Um, he walked around Elizabeth shopping centre um, and saw a young person being chased out by security um, and really felt like the Lord was saying, this is where I am, can you join me here? And so he rang the shopping centre um, management, uh, shared that he was a youth pastor from the church around the corner, Elizabeth Church of Christ, um, and he really, well, he knew that Jesus had what created young people with um, innate value and saw the potential in them um, and that he uh, really saw the potential in these young people as well and wanted to um, journey with them and would the shopping centre be willing for him and a couple of volunteers um, from churches to come out and be positive role models um, for young people. Um, and the shopping centre's response was, like, we have massive problems. Um, if you want to come and help, good luck. Um, and they were pretty strict around, like, what that looked like. I think it was just, like, a couple of metres square, don't hand anything out. Um, yeah. They didn't know where to start, so they were like, good luck to you. Um, and uh, Ben brought along a hacky sack. Nick actually grabbed it the other day. Um, was, that, was that you? Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I'll add this into the prize box. And I was like, oh, no, that's Ben's original hacky sack. Don't do that. <laughs> so that was our bad for having it out there. But <laughs> um, and he asked young people if they would like guys going past, do you want to kick around the hacky sack? And the guys' responses were generally, F off, who are you? And um, then one young girl caught the eye of Zara, Ben and Annie's um, youngest, no, eldest, but their, their first um, daughter. She was like very new, I don't know, maybe... 12 weeks old or something. It was, it, she was a new, new baby. And um, she was out with them on a Thursday night um, and a teenager caught the eye of Zara and started making faces at Zara. And the teenager ended up coming over um, and within a very short period of time asked Annie, can I hold your baby? Um, Annie was a new mum, um, didn't know this girl at all. Um, but really felt like the Lord was saying, like, Zara is my child and you can trust her with my child. Um, and so Annie asked the young girl, teenage girl, to um, sit down, to put out a cigarette. Um, and <laughs> I think she also asked her to stop swearing. <laughs> um, um, she said, yep, then sure, you can hold her. And so this young girl... Um, held Zara and it was like a transfer of trust as Annie trusted her with her daughter. Um, this young person then started opening up and um, really trusting um, Annie with her story and her life. Um, and so that was sort of the start of a pattern where, um, particularly to begin with, teenage girls would line up to <laughs> hold the baby <laughs> and share their story. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so it, it's just been amazing to, to see God journey. Like, a lot of those um, original crew, as a lot of them called themselves, <laughs> um, were finished up with Streetlight um, last year um, because um, we did feel as though we needed to be strict around um, creating and protecting a safe space for 12 to 18-year-olds. Um, and a lot of uh, those young people were now um, young adults. And so um, some of them did connect in with local churches or um, other connect, connect points of connection. Um, and, and we'll still, like, they'll often 
still, in fact, sometimes it can be quite a challenge. And it is really hard. It's like, you, you know, you love these people and you still want to spend time with them, but it's like, no, we do need to make sure this is a safe space for young people. And um, unfortunately, some people don't have the right intentions. So, um, but so many of them still come over and, um, yeah, just want to chat and thank us for um, the difference or share what's what's happening in their lives. Um, yeah. So. Questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are strict on 12 to 18. Um, yes. Um, if a young person's still in school or supported by a school, um, then there's a little bit of a grey area because we've got another point of contact. Um, but... Um, so we set up a, we, we, oh yeah, so it kind of, it's changed from like a, a single hacky sack and a bag of nail polish and a baby. Um, the centre um, started really seeing the value in what we were doing um, and helped like facilitate us to be able to get electricity so that we can make hot chocolates out there. So in winter we do hot chocolates, we have a like gas heater. Um, in summer we give out zuper dupers and water. And we've got giant games set up. Um, but everything that we do um, and what we encourage the volunteers to think of doing as well is anything short of sin that's going to create room for gospel conversations and for young people to be able to um, see their potential. So it kind of changes, but generally we've got giant games and food. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I forgot about Hannah, which I do every day, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, I do love that God gave me that skill. For, I think that's the one transferable skill from 13 years in a cake shop to I can now pie pen around young people. <laughs> so, but, um, Oh, yes. Um, yes, so we started at Elizabeth's Shopping Centre and then um, the council could see the impact that we had amongst young people there. Um, what's really cool is early days, Ben actually um, asked the council if the church could connect at the skate park at Elizabeth and they were not interested in that. <laughs> Um, yeah, they said thanks, but no thanks. Um, then um, the shopping centre made statements around the impact that Streetlight had had on young people, particularly on Thursday nights when we were engaging, that there was a reduction in youth violence and crime. Um, and during COVID, um, the skate parks ended up being... Um, hotspot areas of challenges, um, more so than they previously had been. There was lots of um, there's fires being lit in the toilets, drugs, fights, um, just different antisocial behaviour. And so the council reached out to Ben and said, we've heard you of making a big difference over there. Can you come over here? Um, and, yeah, it, ha it has been great to see, actually, the way that um, we have been able to be really upfront around why we are there and um, we're not hiding away from who we are or what we believe that we're called to do. Um, and yet we are still having doors open by the secular community to invite us into the spaces now. Um, and so, yeah, that ended up happening in the south. Um, we started at um, Ramsey Place at Norlunga, like a grass, green grass area that um, also has a lot of antisocial behaviour. Um, and the council, after about nine months, I think, um, said to us, 
um, can you apply for a, a tender to actually be at the skate park as well? Um, and they would like us at a third engagement, but um, at the moment, capacity of volunteers, um, that's not currently possible, but still believing that if that's God's plan, that that'll be part of um, the future for Streetlight. So, um, yeah. I wasn't actually a part of Streetlight at the time, but, I mean, the door is being closed on the church in a lot of spheres, I think. Um, I don't find it surprising that they heard church and they said, thanks, but no thanks. Um, I think, yeah, they're, and a part of that probably is that um, as, as the church body, we have stumbled at times and not represented Jesus well. Um, and, yeah, but I think then when they could see the impact, um, young people making statements, shopping centre making statements, it was like, okay, yeah, this is something that we want to partner with. 